Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. You can find us at lifeovercoffee.com. I want to puzzle something out for you over the next few moments, and I think the best way to do that is just to give you the title of what I am sharing with you. The title is The Need to Forgive Even If You Don't Reconcile. Now let me explain what I mean, and I trust it will make sense to you as I move along. The assumption is is that forgiveness and reconciliation are two peas in a pod, that those things happen simultaneously or one on the heels of the other. You grant forgiveness and you reconcile with the other individual. But that's not always what happens. Uh, Sometimes you just cannot or do not, for whatever reason, and I'll talk about a few of those reasons in a moment, you do not reconcile with the other person in the relationship, but you need to forgive them, and I'm talking about attitudinal forgiveness. And the reason that you need to do that is because you need to be free from what they did to you, regardless if you reconcile or not. In some situations, you're not going to be able to transact forgiveness to where you do reconcile, you come together, and there is nothing between you two. In many cases, you will not be able to have that best-case scenario. Even so, you need to forgive them so that you do not carry the weight, you do not carry the burden, you are not imprisoned by what they did to you. Let me give you an illustration. Many of you have heard me talk about my relationship with my dad. He died in 1978. We were not Christians. I assume that he's not a Christian. I did not become a believer until 1984, and so we had a horrific relationship with each other. There is no possibility of us ever reconciling. Again, he passed away a long time ago. And so all the sin that happened from him to me and me to him, it's there. And what I need to do is I need to work through it so that I don't become a bitter, angry, cynical individual. And so there needs to be a process for me to extend forgiveness to him attitudinally, even though it's not transactional. Now, what that means is, is that he will not be free from his sin unless he has asked God to forgive him and God has has done that. But I need to be free from his sin regardless of what he does. And so that is an illustration of the need for me to forgive even if we are not at the place where we can reconcile. And that's the big idea that I want to share with you over the next few moments. Now, if you want to find this piece at lifeovercoffee.com, again, the title, The Need to Forgive Even If You Don't Reconcile. Sometimes you can forgive someone for their sin against you and reconcile with them, and so there is nothing between you. You're now reconciled together, and everything is just beautiful. Now, that is a wonderful picture of the power of the gospel. But there are other times when you can forgive them, but you won't be able to reconcile with them. But that is also a beautiful picture of the gospel, even though obviously it is incomplete. 
The first forgiveness opportunity is transactional. They come to you, they ask for forgiveness, you grant it, you reconcile with them, nothing between you. That is transactional forgiveness. The second gospel opportunity here is attitudinal forgiveness. And this is where you forgive them in their heart. It doesn't release them from what they have done, but it releases you. Have you met that bitter person, the person who has been victimized because someone did something to them and they carry their sin in their heart for an extended period? We weren't built that way. We are not supposed to carry the sin of others in our hearts. It will not only weigh us down, but it will incarcerate us. And so there has to be a path forward that there can be some kind of forgiveness that does not release them because they're not asking, but we need to be released. And this is what I call attitudinal forgiveness. We want to be free from the sin of others. The the best case, obviously, is transactional forgiveness where both parties experience freedom. But sometimes all that you can do is to forgive them in your heart. Now, I am going to illustrate this by talking about marriage counseling because it's the most common type of help that's sought within the Christian community, marriage and parental parent counseling. And I'm going to illustrate it of a wife who is unwilling to attitudinally forgive her husband To keep it linear, keep the case study tight, I'm going to talk about the wife who's holding on to unforgiveness, again, unwilling to attitudinally forgive her husband. But for the sake of your illustration and whatever may be going on in your life, you can change this up any way that you desire. Again, marriage counseling is the most common type of help sought within the Christian community. Most of these couples come because they're willing to work through the struggles between them. They want help and they're eager to work together. These couples are more straightforward to help because they're on the same marital page. They're not biting and devouring one another as Paul talked about in Galatians. There is a maturity about them and a mutual recognition that there is work for them to do on both parts. But then every now and then you will have these other couples who bring issues to you, but it's more complicated. They're not pulling in the same direction, but they're working against each other. These complex couples represent a higher degree of difficulty because they're not in the same, they're not on the same marital page, and they are less desirous in reconciling. Now, ironically, God's grace is sufficient for both sets, those pulling together and those that are working against each other, because His Word can sift through the problems and the complexities in anybody's relationship and bring resolution to them. But the impetus is on us that we want to cooperate with Him. And of course, if you're holding on to unforgiveness and you're unwilling minimally to attitudinally forgive the other person, you won't be able to reconcile. And so the key to discerning the second couple's lack of desire to reconcile, it almost always ties to one spouse's unwillingness to forgive the other. When you're experiencing relational conflict, either in your life or people that you know that you're helping, whether they're married or not, when two or more people, when there is divisiveness that has come into that relationship, there may be a number of things that are going on, but it will be 
almost expected that there will be unforgiveness operative somewhere down in that relationship and you want to keep that in mind because you want to discern it and maybe what I'm sharing with you here will be helpful to unlock uh, the snag in the relationship so they can start moving in the right direction. Without forgiveness, the bottom line is you cannot reconcile with someone attitudinally or transactionally. Now, I do want to be clear in those two labels, and so let me walk through them ever so briefly uh, so that you understand them, and I trust that this will be clear. Attitudinal forgiveness is an attitude of forgiveness that releases someone from the management of what the other person did to them. Minimally, the offended person can forgive the offending person in their heart. Minimally, that is attitudinal forgiveness. Transactional forgiveness is when the perpetrator, the offender, comes to you and they transact forgiveness by asking you to release them from their sin. And so there is a request being made. In the case of my relationship with my father, there will never be a request made from him to me or me to him because I sinned against him too. And so we can never transact forgiveness. But I do not want to be buried under the weight of what he did to me. And so I have to have a pathway to move forward of forgiving him in my heart so that I'm not incarcerated by his offenses toward me. There is a complexity in a spouse's heart when she comes to marriage counseling to reconcile with her husband, but she is unwilling to forgive. She's unwilling to forgive attitudinally. She's unwilling to forgive transactionally, to forgive her husband for what he had done to her. In such cases, the wife has set up an impossible problem to solve. There is an uncomfortable truth operative here. You cannot move forward in reconciliation with your spouse if you are unwilling to forgive your spouse, at least attitudinally. Minimally, you must you you minimally you must be willing to release the other person in your heart from what they did to you. Some spouses attempt to maintain a posture of unforgiveness while reconciling. That's that's illogical. It's as logical, and this is a harsh illustration here, I, I understand, but it's as logical as slashing your wrist and expecting not to bleed. It's as illogical as jumping off a 10-story building while anticipating that you will not be hurt. A spouse must first decide if she will forgive her husband, whether it's attitudinally or transactionally. Some years ago, I was counseling a couple like this. The wife was furious at her husband, simultaneously holding on to her anger and unforgiveness. She expected me to fix her marriage. It reminded me of a parent. You, you remember the parent angry teen illustration? The parent's trying to get the rebellious teen to sit down. The angry teen refuses to sit down. Then the parent makes the teen sit down. And the teen sits down defiantly and says, you can make me sit down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's this attitude. It's the way that some spouses are. 
they're not honest with themselves. They're not honest with God. They're not honest with their spouses. They're not honest with their counselor. And quite frankly, I see this more in wives than I do with husbands. And again, it can go both ways, but this is a very common characteristic that I've seen in wives who have been offended so many times by their husbands. And that's why I'm doing this and actually using the illustration of the unforgiving wife because it is so common. They're trying to have the best of both worlds. They do not want to let go of their unforgiveness while they are perplexed at why they can't have a reconciled marriage. You can't sit down and stand up simultaneously. You can't have it both ways. Now, what I want to do here is work through four common responses that a spouse will use to justify, rationalize, or to explain why they carry unforgiveness in their heart. I am just going to share four common illustrations that I have heard over the years of counseling. You can probably add to this list as well. But I want you to hear the intellectual dishonesty in the wife's heart when she says one of these four things. The first one is, I can forgive, but I can't forget. The second one is, you can be angry and sin not, the Bible says so. The third one is, you don't know what he has done to me. And then I will hear sometimes, this is an odd one, I think, I love him, but I don't like him. Now, I'm going to work through those four assertions a little bit more as I move on. Uh, but for now, at best, these deceptions, and that's what I'm going to call them, they're just deceptions, and they are devoid of the gospel. At worst, it is just willful deceit. Now, with a doubt, it, without a doubt, it is a hurt spouse unwilling to apply the gospel to their situation. Or worse, they do not want to implement the gospel to their marriage problem. Sometimes it can just be ignorance. They just don't have the self-awareness. When they make those statements, they're not really seeing the depth and the complexity of what they are saying. And then other times, they're just justifying because they do not want to let go of their unforgiveness. Now, I want you to hear me clearly here that I am not marginalizing what a sinful person has done to them. To trivialize or overlook suffering would not embrace the compassion of the Savior. And it doesn't recognize the necessity of the gospel. I mean, the gospel implies that, that sin is real, sin is damaging, sin is hurtful, and sin is hard to change. But if you want to reconcile with your spouse or if you want to make broad application and reconcile with any other person, then you must do some of the hardest things that God has ever called you to do. Firstly, you will have to take your soul to task to determine if you want to focus on the reconciliation process while moving toward reconciliation goals. I mean, this is the first thing that you need to determine. You cannot reconcile while giving most of your mental space to what someone did to you. Being sin-centered is not the way of the Savior. Jesus fixed his heart upon the cross. It was a posture that he calls all of his children to emulate. He was thinking about how he could die for another person's sins. 
He had a reconciling heart, not an unforgiving one. His point of focus was not primarily on what individuals did to him, but on how he could reconcile a broken and sinful people to his father. And so what is the fixation of your heart? If you're struggling right now with an offense of someone, someone has transgressed, they have offended you, do you want to reconcile that captured person to God? Or do you want to keep what they did to you in the front of your mind at all times? You can't sit down and stand up at the same time. Christ never avoided, ignored, or ignored sin. And I'm not asking you uh, to do that as well. He was very much aware of what sin had done to his creation. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept at Lazarus' tomb. He carried much sorrow in his heart over what you and I have done to him, as we read in Isaiah 53. He never overlooked the problem of sin, and I'm not asking you to. He never overlooked the complexities of sinfulness and how it disrupted the divine community of Father, Son, and Spirit. And so the question is, do you want to be Christ-like? If so, then God calls you to forgive your spouse attitudinally or transactionally, best-case scenario, so you can move toward reconciliation. You can do this because the gospel is not an unforgiving gospel. The gospel is a reconciling gospel. Thus, you want to address here what is your point of focus. What can you do to forgive? Is that your point of focus? How can I work toward reconciliation? Or again, what someone did to me. This intersection in your life is a marriage-shaping, future-altering, God-honoring question. And so I trust that you would take the time to ask yourself, what am I more about regarding my life, my God, my friends, my spouse? And while I'm not asking you to ignore what your spouse did to you as though it does not matter, I am asking where you are primarily directing your heart. If you have a, reconcil a reconciling heart, then you will desire to do at least these four things. Number one, you will not only forgive but also put a pro proactive plan of forgetting into practice, just like your Savior did to you. You remember the first uh, intellectually dishonest assertion, I can forgive, but I'll never forget. And then the second one is, well, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Number two, you'll be honest with your anger by accurately assessing your heart and pursuing God with heartbroken repentance. You know, sometimes I think it's helpful when we read into Scripture to get a verse to uh, assuage the opinion or the attitude that, that we want to have, to agree or to affirm the attitude that we have. I think sometimes it's helpful to go and ask another person, how do you hear me? I mean, I'm using this text in Ephesians, be angry and sin not, but am I I suggestively, am I reading into that passage so that I can justify my bad heart attitude toward my husband? And so the question is, will you be honest about your anger by accurately assessing your heart and pursuing God with a heartbroken repentance? And then number three, 
you will realize that what you have done to your Savior is a million times to the 10th power ad infinitum worse than what anyone has ever done or will ever do to you. The third intellectual assertion, dishonest assertion, was you don't know what they did uh, to me. And then number four, I like him. I love him, but I do not like him. You will stop splitting hairs if you have a reconciling heart between love and like to justify your unwillingness to reconcile. Semantical rigmarole obscures reality. The Savior loves you and He likes you, not because you have merited His affection, but because He is a reconciling friend. Your sin does not overpower His love for or His liking of you. A reconciling person would not make false intellectual assertions because they don't focus on the sin committed, but the grace appropriated through the gospel. And so let me track back through all four of those intellectually dishonest assertions, making a gospel application that I trust will assist any wayward, offended heart to seek to align themselves to the potential and the power of the gospel. Number one, I can forgive, but I can't forget. That pinpoints the sin committed. It puts the anchor on the sin committed, not on the power of the gospel. They don't want to forget. The sin-centered soul will not see the cross of Christ with the clarity they need to be free from what happened to them. Number two, I can be angry and not sin. Again, it focuses on the evil committed, what I can be mad about, rather than what the gospel can do for the sin committed. It is an eisegetical reading into Scripture to support a punitive heart. Number three, you don't know what he has done to me. Again, it's dialed in on the sin committed while marginalizing the healing power of the gospel. And let me restate, I'm not trivializing what happened to you. But we must measure all offenses in light of our transgressions against God. And then finally, number four, I love him, but I don't like him. That's a cutesy, semantical way. It's, it's cliché e. It's a way of focusing on a person's sin, again, while ignoring the redemptive power of the gospel. I truly hope that this person has enough self-awareness to see such shallow resistance to the gospel's power. But all four of these assertions slant the heart of the person who has been legitimately hurt on what happened to them while pushing the gospel to the periphery of their marriage. Reconciliation cannot occur when these things are lingering or festering in the heart. These intellectually dishonest assertions are only an issue for a person struggling with unforgiveness. If you are leaning into reconciliation, then you will not make these assertions. While they may exist in your heart because you are human and you will struggle. I remember the early days of working through my internal conflict with my dad, who had been passed away for a number of years, that I struggled with these things. You don't know what he did to me. I can forgive, but I can't forget. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. You know, I want to love him, but man, I do not like him. Yeah, we're human. These things are going to exist in our heart, even in a subtle fashion. But God's grace is more extraordinary than our shallow resistance toward unforgiveness or, or shallow resistance toward forgiveness rather.
You do not have to tell the reconciling heart how to forgive or how to forget. The reconciling heart pursues forgiveness with grace-empowered forgetfulness. Yeah, such a person will struggle, especially with deliberate, intentional forgetfulness because that is a discipline that you need grace for. But the grace in this wife's heart, in my illustration, will overpower any temptations toward falling back into those traps. Pursuing forgetfulness does not mean that you're going to develop amnesia. It means that you will choose not to bring it up punitively. Omniscient God can never forget any sin that we have perpetrated against him or others. Not remembering something would take away from his all-knowing, making him less than himself, and that is impossible. Our great and gracious God chooses never to bring up what we have done in a punitive way, in a get-back-at-you way. He can do this because he has punished the sin through his Son, the crime is not being neglected at all. God is not overlooking what happened to you. God is not marginalizing what has happened to you. Uh, no, no, the way God thinks about this, what happened to you, transcends any of our thoughts. Let me give you a few illustrations. God is hurt more by the sin of your spouse than you are. God takes the sin of your spouse more seriously than you do. God is more forgiving than you could imagine regarding your spouse's sin. God has done more to reconcile sinful people to himself than you could ever do. The best news is that he mercifully gives you the grace to do similarly toward those who sin against you. It's your choice. You will know if you have this kind of grace in your heart to the degree that it does not control your thinking and it does not tempt you to sin. And this is not going to be amputatable for most of you. It will be a drawn-out mortification issue as you take the vitality of their offenses out of your heart. It's going to take work over a period of weeks, possibly months. If you can't do this, well, the problem eventually will settle into more thinking about what happened to you or who did what to you. It'll be more focused on that and your unwillingness to trust God by forgiving the person who sinned against you. If you will not apply God's all-sufficient grace to what someone did to you, it means that person's sin keeps you from getting something that you desired, and that's where you're going to get underneath to a more ulterior motive, something that you crave more than you want forgiveness and reconciliation with God or them. It's an unmet desire that they have kept you from. Unmet desires are the resisting forces of forgiveness. The only reason a person will withhold forgiveness is that the perpetrator of the transgression has disrupted or hindered or held back or stolen something that the offended person wanted. The thing desired or craved is more significant than God's ability to make things right by His grace. Unforgiveness becomes the method of choice to make them pay for what they took from you or what they are not giving to you. And so regardless of your motive for withholding forgiveness, the result will be the same. There will be no possibility of reconciliation. You cannot hold on to your hurt regardless of how painful it is or how disappointing what they did to you. 
Perhaps your spouse is not asking for forgiveness. That happens. But the good news is, is that you can release yourself from what they did by forgiving them minimally, attitudinally in your heart. No, it won't be transactional. And the person will not experience release from their sin, but you can experience freedom from their evil. I've titled this, The Need to Forgive, Even If You Don't Reconcile. I want to work through just a few questions, and then we'll wrap up here. Question number one, what are attitudinal and transactional forgiveness? How do they differ? It's important that you understand these two labels, these two ideas, these concepts. Maybe if you just wrote out what attitudinal forgiveness is based on what you heard here and what transactional forgiveness is. Or if you had a conversation like in a small group or do life over coffee with a friend and talk about attitudinal and transactional forgiveness. Because if you can articulate it, then you will be able to understand it and, and then it will really work down into your psyche, into your soul. And then number two, would you write out or talk through two scenarios, one with attitudinal forgiveness, what that would look like in a relationship? I illustrated that with my dad. I can only have an attitude of forgiveness toward him because of how things have played out in our lives. And then write out or talk out a, another scenario of transactional forgiveness. Again, it's essential that you understand both truths. And so my first two questions here is, one, define them, and then write out and talk or talk out uh, two uh, case studies, just very brief case studies of what attitudinal forgiveness would look like and transactional forgiveness would look like. Number three, are you in a situation currently where the transgressor is not asking you to transact with them? If so, why is it essential for you to forgive them in your heart? What will it do to your soul to release them in your heart? Would you think through that? And then finally, I want to share a concept with you. It's important to understand this, that two people in a conflict like husband and wife, they do not work through equally. They're not at the same pace with Christ. They're not at the same place with Christ. Uh, you can think about a husband and wife or any other relationship, like going up a highway that has mile markers along the way. You may be right here at mile marker 97, and they're at mile marker 43, that just means that they're not going to work it out the way that you would work it out because you're farther along than they are. That's important because sometimes when we have a relational dust-up with someone, we can expect them to think the way we think and to work through it the way that we would work through it, but they're not as mature, or maybe we are more immature either way. But I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt here and saying you're more mature than they are. But the point is that two people in conflict do not work through equally or they're at the same pace because they're, they're at different places with the Lord. In some cases, it might take an offender years to get to transactional forgiveness with you if they ever get there at all. But regardless, you do not have to be in their prison if you're willing to forgive them attitudinally. Again, if you want to find this resource at lifeovercoffee.com, it's titled, The Need to Forgive, 
even if you do not reconcile. Now, for some of you that this is the season of life where you want to dedicate some time to do uh, get discipleship training, biblical counseling training, this is what we do. We're not a counseling ministry. We don't provide counseling services, but we do train people to do the work of biblical counseling or discipleship. And if you want to grow in your skill as a disciple maker, I would encourage you to check out our mastermind program. Uh, we have a resource here at lifeovercoffee.com where you can read all about our mastermind program. The two things for you to know right up front is self-paced and you never have to leave your office. You don't have to leave your coffee shop. You don't have to leave your house. And so you can do it all at home. You work it into your life so it's self-paced. And also we do customized uh, supervision and care throughout the program. We don't do group training because every person is unique. One of the things that dis distinguishes our uh, training ministry is that we customize our care to the person because God is working uniquely in each individual's life. And so if you want customized soul care, leadership development training, I would encourage you to check out our Mastermind program. Otherwise, please take advantage of this resource, the need to forgive, even if you don't reconcile. Thank you so much and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.